Girls, it's so good to be back with you. I have missed you so badly. I don't know about you, but this whole quarantine, lockdown, pandemic, it has messed with my little sanguine soul so badly. Not only that, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you that we're back today. Oh, Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you that you have made a way for us to safely gather today and just be together. Let's just drink in this moment as we prepare to hear the word of God. Beloved, Mr. Stockdale has had to have two surgeries since Thanksgiving. He had carpal tunnel surgery on each wrist a few weeks apart. And because of that, and because of the current situation, we have been on lockdown since before Thanksgiving. Uh, what, let that just settle on you for just a moment. Now, we live in the middle of nowhere, and I've got to tell you, when the FedEx guy would show up, it would be like, grab him, grab him, quick, quick, let's see what's that going on in the outside world. And so Craig was recently, very thankfully, the surgeries have gone very well. He was very recently released from his doctor, and we're very grateful for that. But when that happened, you can only imagine the list of things that needed to be tended to, not the least of which my little Honda Accord needed to get into the dealership uh, to have the uh, airbag dealt with. And so, on a particular day this past week, I believe it was last Friday, although anybody else, the days are just morphing one right into the next. It's just hard to keep track, isn't it? I believe it was on Friday. We had an appointment at 9 o'clock. And so I followed Mr. Stockdale in, and I brought in my little Honda Accord, and we were headed on to the dealership. And so I arrived at the dealership right on time. I pulled up into the service bay. They had an automatic door. It opened. I pulled my little car right into the service bay. I took uh, the key, uh, turned off my car, gathered my stuff, uh, going to get out of my car and leave it there for service when one of the servicemen walked over to me and said, can I help you? And I said, well, I'm Gene Stockdale, and I'm here, 9 o'clock appointment. I'm getting my airbag adjusted. I, I had a notification. I've set up an appointment and so on. And he looks at me and he says, ma'am, you're here to have this car worked on? And I said, yes, yes, I am. Nine o'clock, Gene Stockdale made an appointment. And he said, and you want this car worked on? Yes, yes, I do. And he said, ma'am, this is a Honda and you're in the Nissan dealership. <laughs> well, of course I am. Of course I am. So being able to come back together with my sisters in the Lord and getting my spiritual equilibrium regained, Craig and I have been out of church longer because of his surgeries, I believe, than we have the entire time we walked with the Lord. And Sunday we got to come back. And I've got to tell you, it was just this moment of drink this in to be back in the community of Christ. What a blessing, what a blessing. And then today, to get to come and be among you, would you open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 5? And I want you to join me as we join the disciples on the hillside above the Sea of Galilee, 
where we are watching now in rapt attention as the Lord Jesus sits down. He takes the posture of a rabbi. The disciples would have recognized that immediately. He sits down and begins to speak and he brings the disruptive message of the Sermon on the Mount. Dr. John Phillips says this, we have come now to the famous Sermon on the Mount. There is nothing to compare with it in all the literature of the world, even the greatest of the, words of the world's moral, religious, and philosophical statements blush and stammer in the presence of this sublime declaration. Beloved, the seed of this study was planted in the heart and mind of Dana and Donna several years ago. And yet, for such a time as this, oh, how we need the message of the Sermon on the Mount. How we need this disruptive message of how then shall we live in the midst of a pandemic, in the midst of a culture that has gone mad, in the midst of cancel culture, in the midst of dramatic and radical changes in our culture that are affecting the Christian life for such a time as this. How we need this message. The disciples needed it as well. They lived in a time, in a culture, when the scribes and Pharisees had an external righteousness that was based on the law. They concerned themselves with strict adherence to rituals and rules. And Jesus, as he begins to open his mouth and teach, brings an entirely different message. True righteousness is imputed through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ by grace through faith. So join me as we read his words. And in your mind's eye, can you just see him as he's speaking forth these words? His words are soothing. His voice is kind. His delivery is impeccable. And his message, it's revolutionary. It was in the hearing of the disciples and it is to us as we try to navigate the time that God has planted us in, in this discourse, Jesus does not teach the, the tenets of salvation. Rather, he is speaking, how then shall we live? Those of us who know the Lord Jesus, who name his name, how shall we live? So the Sermon of the Mount opens up with a series of conditional blessings commonly referred to as the Beatitudes. The Beatitudes are the how-to-be's, attitudes that ought to be present in all of us who name the name of Jesus Christ. So look with me, if you will, in Matthew chapter 5, beginning in verse 1, when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and after he sat down, the disciples came to him. He opened his mouth and he began to teach them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the gentle, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. The first thing I want you to see is what I call our attitude towards Self, look again in verse 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. 
While each beatitude stands on its own, each is linked progressively to the one following it. Stuart Weber says it's like pearls in a necklace that are strung together. Each one builds on the previous one. And it begins, beloved, with being poor in spirit. Now, John MacArthur says that word poor means to shrink or cower or cringe. It is the term that does not mean simply poor, but rather begging poor. It is used in Luke chapter 16 and verse 20 to describe the beggar Lazarus. It means to be reduced to a total destitution, not just to be simply poor, but to be destitute, to have no hope and no help. And poor in spirit refers to those who recognize their absolute spiritual destitution and their utter, utter dependence upon God. And the blessing of that attitude, beloved, is because it moves us towards the saving knowledge of a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. You remember when Adam and Eve sinned? That by the work of their own hands, they gathered fig leaves and sewed them together and tried to make a covering, thinking somehow they could earn God's favor by the work of their own hands. Beloved, the one who is poor in spirit discards and discounts any vain effort to gain God's favor and simply casts themselves upon the mercy and the grace of God. Being poor in spirit means that we recognize that we are a sinner in need of a Savior. And beloved, it is this attitude that facilitates our entrance into the kingdom of God. It gives us a correct assessment of who we are apart from God, a sense that is awakened by the Holy Spirit drawing us to Him, allows us to recognize ourselves as we are sinners in need of a Savior. And to understand that Christ Jesus is the one and only way to be reconciled with God, that he died to purchase our freedom, and that when we repent and receive him by faith, we are grafted in to that personal relationship with Christ, and we are redeemed, our sins are forgiven. And beloved, the Bible said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Beloved, that is redemption. That is redemption. The second thing I want you to see is what I call our attitude towards sin. Look in verse 4. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Those who are poor in spirit recognize they're utterly bankrupt and in desperate need of a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Having come to faith, beloved, we then mourn, grieve over our sinful condition. Beloved, it is the picture here of mourning has the idea of inner agony, the deepest, most heartfelt grief. Beloved, when we see our wretchedness, when we see Christ's holiness, it should prompt us to grieve over our sin. Why? Because godly sorrow works repentance, and repentance brings about God's forgiveness. The blessedness is not in the morning. The blessedness is what the morning produces. It produces repentance, and repentance works in us 
and brings us to that place of reconciliation where God forgives us and restores us and comforts us. Oh, beloved, it is more than simple regret. It is much more than remorse. It's not just being sorry that we got caught. It's not just being grieved over the consequences of our sins. It, beloved, looks beyond the sin to Calvary, recognizing that our sin is an affront to a holy God. That's what it means to be poor in spirit and to mourn over sin. But praise God, God meets us in that place. 1 John 1, 9 tells us if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of all unrighteousness and to cleanse us of our sins. Hallelujah, what a Savior. And that, beloved, is blessedness. That is satisfaction in Christ. That is living in the fullness that Christ has offered us. Beloved, sin cannot sever our relationship with God, but it sure does spoil the fellowship with him. And when a woman, or a man, but when a woman is seeking to grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ, we will naturally grieve over sin, earnestly seek to be forgiven, and will be comforted. For blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Beloved, that's repentance. That's repentance. Redemption repentance blessed are those who are poor in spirit blessed are those who mourn and grieve and are sorrowful for their sin the next thing i want you to see is our attitude towards strife look with me in verse five blessed are the gentle your bible may translate that meek blessed are the meek for they shall inherit the earth now remember that the Jews were looking for a military Messiah that would overthrow Rome and restore them from their captivity. And so this talk of a meek Messiah was not only offensive to them, they could not even begin to comprehend that the one they were looking for was going to come in meekness and he would be leading a people who were meek and humble and gentle. John MacArthur says the word gentle basically means mild or soft. The term sometimes was used to describe a soothing medicine or a soft breeze. It was used of colts and other animals whose naturally wild spirits were broken by a trainer so they could be Able to do useful work as a human attitude, it means being gentle, of spirit, meek, submissive, quiet, tender-hearted. That reminds us of the fruit of the Spirit of which gentleness is involved. When Christ is ruling and reigning in our life, beloved, we will respond to strife with meekness with gentleness. We'll refuse to seek vengeance and revenge. Rather, we will trust in the sovereignty of a holy God who is the ultimate judge to work out every circumstance and every situation in our life for his honor and for his glory. In the area of strife, 
what is required of us, what is called forth from us is to be gentleness and meekness, especially in circumstances and situations where there is strife. And we are living in a culture that loves to argue and spread discourse and division. If you have been on social media at all, and I would warn you to be very careful to what it is that you are paying attention to on social media, because so much of it is so destructive. It's divisive, it's mean, it's cruel, it's petty, but beyond that, it's just full of strife and division. And what Jesus is saying, he is humble, he is meek, that word means strength and weakness under control he says come to me all of you who labor and are just plain worn out because i am humble and meek and my burden is easy my yoke well it's it's easy for you to take upon you that's the call, beloved. So in situations of strife, you and I are to respond, whether it's difficult circumstances or difficult people. And as the tension and anxiety is building in the times in which we're living, we're seeing more anxiety and frustration, and it's often breeding difficult relationships. Amen? Difficult, difficult situations, difficult people. And what Jesus is saying is you are blessed if you will respond to strife with meekness, with gentleness. Allow the Spirit of God to produce gentleness in you so that your words, your actions, your reactions are under the control of the Spirit of the living God. Beloved, this attitude of kingdom living will result in us in sharing in the rich inheritance that is ours in Jesus Christ right here, right now, as well as in the next life. Well, the next thing I'd like you to see is what I call our attitude towards the Savior. If you look at verse 6, Jesus said, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. The psalmist says, As the deer pants for the water brooks, so my soul pants for you. Oh, beloved. We enter into the kingdom by being poor in spirit. We live well by mourning and grieving over our sin, knowing it crucified Jesus Christ and held him to the cross. We come into this life, this Christian life, the fullness of Christ with an attitude of gentleness, allowing the fruit of the Spirit to be developed in our life as we surrender to the Holy Spirit and Oh, if we would hunger and thirst after righteousness. Practical righteousness and personal holiness should mark us out. Beloved, the way we act and the way we live, the way we love, the way we serve, the way we live in kingdom living, it should so separate us from those who do not have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ so that we are the aroma of Christ, the fragrance of Christ. We should pursue righteousness. And he says, those who do, they will be satisfied. They will be satisfied altogether, blessed. 
in the fullness of Jesus Christ. Beloved, when we pursue after him, when we hunger and thirst for righteousness and truth, it produces in us a life that gives a testimony to Jesus Christ. It produces a renewed mind, and that will produce a transformed life. Just as being poor in spirit produces redemption, just as mourning and grieving over our sin produces repentance, just as being meek and mild produces restraint, especially in situations of strife, this attitude of being hungry and thirsty for the things of the Lord, it produces renewal that our mind begins to be renewed by the things of the Lord. And that renewed mind begins to produce a transformed life. Jesus is the door to salvation and he is the path to the process which is progressive and sometimes even painful, the process of sanctification whereby you and I are conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. Now, there's not a lot we can do to speed up that process, but we can engage, beloved, in this process called sanctification as we hunger and thirst after the things of the Lord, as we desire to know more and more of his word, as we come to him in obedience to the word of God, surrender and submission to the spirit of God, confidence in the finished work of Christ as we begin to live, beloved, out our faith, hungering and thirsting after righteousness, we will find ourselves satisfied in him and the things of this world will go strangely, will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory. And his grace. That's kingdom living. Beloved, please do not reduce our salvation experience to just heaven when we die. That's a glorious byproduct of it. But that's not the end result. If all this was about getting this out of hell and into heaven, I believe the Lord would have taken us home at the moment of our conversion. If that's all this thing was about, is heaven when we die. It's not, beloved. It's not. Heaven is the byproduct of our salvation in Christ. He gives us the spirit of the living God. He's given us the word of God as our external control and the spirit of God as our internal control so that we might live right here, right now in kingdom power and kingdom authority doing those things he's called us to do. And as we hunger and thirst for righteousness, the Spirit of God is loosed in our life so that we are able to engage in that which he's called us to do. I've had the oddest sensation of late, and that is I have gone to being hot all the time to freezing cold. When I became a woman of a certain age, I began to produce my own weather. Anybody understand what I... Oh, my soul. It would be like a furnace cutting on, and something inside would rise up within me, and I would be flushed. And I am telling you, I would sweat 
till it would drip off my hair. Now, forgive me if that's too graphic, but that's what was happening. And trying to get that thing turned around, I, I went to my doctor and said, I need you to help me. And she said, what's the deal? And I told her, I'm about to burn up. I'm afraid I'm going to combust. And her response, in fact, I've heard this a number of times over the last 10 or 12 years, the problem is your age. To which I said, oh, no, you do not. <laughs> Fix this! Fix this quickly! I don't think I can live this way. And lo and behold, just recently, my thermostat, which is obviously broken, has flipped, and now I'm freezing cold all of the time, all the time. Which, thank you, darling. You and I are kindred spirits. Yes, we are. And so now I'm cold all the time. So that leads me to this story. Several weeks ago, I made a run into Oakland. You know I live in a very rural area, and Craig and I consider going into Oakland, going to town. Anybody? You know, you know we love small town living, but it is funny to us that we think of this little community of Oakland as being the big city, but it is when you live out where we do. And I buy my groceries in Oakland and usually at Kroger's or Walmart. So on this particular day, I'm telling you, it was so bitter cold that I have on two shirts, a fleece vest, two pair of pants, leggings with pants on over them, and two pair of socks. When I change clothes, I have had on, I have been wearing what amounts to a load of laundry. You see, you see what I'm saying? And so I'm all bundled up, and now I have my long, puffy coat on. You're going to want to remember that. It's knee-length. And I have it zipped up. I have a scarf wrapped around to where you can barely see any part of my face. Of course, I have on my mask and my sunglasses. I stopped with the hat because, y'all, I caught a glimpse of myself in the hat. And I decided it was best not. Some of you understand what I'm saying. But anyways, and so I'm just all wrapped up and I've got on my gloves. And I get to Kroger's and it's so cold in Kroger's that I don't take my gloves off. I don't unzip my coat. I pull it up around my chin. I got my cart. My gloves are on. I'm going as fast as I can and I'm gathering up everything as quick as I can so I can get back home where it's nice and warm there in the cottage. And as I am, and I am by myself, Mr. Stockdale's still recovering, and so I'm by myself, and I am tearing through Kroger's. When I hear someone behind me, it's the voice of a man. And he says, ma'am, I don't know how to tell you this, but I believe you've torn your coat. Now, I'm thinking to myself, no, I have not, so he is not talking to me. So I continue on, and he says it louder, ma'am, ma'am. I'm so sorry to tell you this, but I think you have a hole in your coat. And I'm thinking, well, I, I didn't snag it on anything. I, I cannot, how would he even know that? And I'm still not sure he's talking to me, but this time I do turn around. And he's coming up right next to me. And he says, I'm sorry, but you've got a hole in your coat. And he keeps right on walking. And I'm standing there thinking, how does he know? How did that happen? But I look behind me. And y'all, there was a trail of feathers. 
I'm talking about down that is airborne from the door through the produce department and there in the deli. And I'm thinking to myself, is that me? Did I do that? And how did this happen? So I take my coat off and I look and right at the bottom of my coat, just as it wasn't even an inch, the hem had opened up and I'm telling you, feathers were pouring out. I don't know what it looks like to pluck a chicken, but try to imagine that in a Kroger's. And so I pushed back in as many as I could, and I tried to roll it and seal it, because I've got to have my coat on it, and I need to get my groceries. So I, I, I try to walk as carefully as I can. I get the rest of my groceries, and I, I, I get myself checked out, and no one else has stopped me. I, I did try to avoid that man. I let him get way on ahead of me, so we did not, not have to make eye contact again. But uh, I get my groceries, and I, I, I get out there to the car, and I'm still trying to figure out how, how many feathers are in that coat. And I'm thinking, this cannot be a flattering look on me if that many feathers are in the bottom uh, puff of it. But anyways, just in the channel. But anyways, I go, I get my groceries in my car, and I, I, just, I just can't believe how silly this must have looked. And when I sit down, I evidently slide across my leather seat, which releases... I, I, I wish I had a video because my little Honda was suddenly covered inside with airborne feathers and fluff. Y'all, it looked like I was trapped in a snow globe. I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. I, 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 in fact, I got so tickled at myself. And, and I was thinking, I wish somebody I knew was here to see this with me because this is just too good. This is just too good. I, there were so many feathers, I had to get out of my car to catch my breath, lest I suck those in. I'm not sure what that would do to a person, but it did not seem like a wise thing to have. I finally, as it began to settle down and the down began to settle in my car, and I just want you to know, last time I was in my car, feathers are still in there. They're just still showing up. And uh, I, I, just, I just got in my car and just, just me and the Lord began to just talk about that. It was just the funniest thing to me, just the funniest thing. I got so tickled, I was leaning over my steering wheel, just, I mean, just having to collect myself, just laughing so hard at what that looked like. And now I'm really worried about Kroger's. Uh, I haven't been back in a while because I thought it was perhaps best. And uh, um, so I began to think about walking and leaving a trail in my wake. And I began to think, what spiritual application could there be? Because you know there has to be one. And I began to think of Psalm 91 that says he will cover you with his feathers, with his pinions. And under his wing, you can seek refuge. And I just began to see me in my puffy coat, which is now not nearly as puffy as it was, in the arms of the Lord, covered with his wing. And I began to think about the fragrance 
and the aroma of Christ. And it has since that time been my prayer that just as I lost feathers everywhere I went, that as his child, as his daughter, who wants to live out kingdom living, who wants kingdom authority and power, who wants to not reduce this Christian life to heaven when I die, but live in the reality of Christ right here and right now. The kingdom of God is here and now. Who wants to take these attitudes that need to be present in the life of every believer, who wants this, seriously wants this, so that I might impact and influence those in my sphere of influence. That like I trailed those feathers, that the aroma of Christ would so anoint my life as I walk with him, that everywhere I go as his ambassador, the fragrance of Christ would linger. The message of the Sermon on the Mount is that we are to live in such a way so different from those outside a personal relationship with Jesus Christ that others would see the reality of Christ in us.